The following podcast contains adult language and themes. Listener discretion is advised. You better get comfortable, because now we're going there. Taboo Topics are back on the table. Hey there, I'm LeJohn. I'm Joe. And I'm Matt, and welcome back to another bonus episode of the Going There podcast. We have with us on the phone calling in from Minnesota, the host of the Illuminating Mycelium podcast, a show that the three of us were actually on earlier this season, the one, the only, Mr. David Luz. Thanks for being here, David. Uh, Why don't we start out by having you tell our audience a little bit about your show? My podcast is called the Illuminating Mycelium podcast. When I actually first started the podcast, it was named the Forgotten Ones podcast. And the meaning behind it was that I felt like, especially with COVID, like everyday people weren't getting their stories told. They were being forgotten about. I feel like in general, in America, we have this huge obsession with celebrities. And I feel like it really distracts us from what's important locally and what's going on in our communities. So I started the podcast to highlight everyday people, showcase their stories, show people what they're doing, and also try to learn from them too. And then a couple months in, that's when I had decided to rename it to the Illuminating Mycelium podcast. And there's a couple of reasons behind it. Um, First and foremost is that I wanted to frame things in a more positive light. So I wanted to put more emphasis on the fact that I'm highlighting people so that they aren't forgotten. And then the name in and of itself, Illuminating Mycelium. So mycelium, for those who aren't familiar with mushrooms and fungi, it's it's basically more or less the root structure of the mushroom. They band together and kind of like expand their network to help each other out, help grow and expand. It's kind of like a win-win type of thing. And so that's kind of how I saw things with the podcast is that, you know, I'm I'm networking, I'm helping others network, we're growing, we're expanding. And then obviously the illuminating part is just that I'm bringing light to people in a dark time. And so as part of my podcast, I just, you know, I I interview everyday people. Um, I do also have a referral program on my website where people can just recommend themselves or someone they know if they think that they're really interesting. And honestly, it's been a blast. Um, I started my podcast for kind of similar to reasons to you guys. Uh, You know, COVID was really bearing down on a lot of things, but um, I absolutely love it. This is just the beginning for me and I'm planning to keep going hard at this. So, And it's not to take away from if something is pure entertainment value. I mean, we do a lot of entertainment type stuff within the show, but it says a lot about somebody when they put all that time and effort and passion into something to put some good out in the world. I think you're doing what we are trying to do with a different tactic is all. Uh, Because realistically, a lot of what we talk about is people who don't have a voice, people who have been forgotten, but not just because of the celebrity element, but like I said about the abortion issue. Who's had the mic on abortion for the longest time are conservatives and the church. And so they paint everybody in in a certain color. I think it's time for somebody else to pick up the mic and tell their story. It's hard to sit there and judge somebody who tearfully tells you about having to make that hard choice. And that's really what it comes down to. So when you hear those people's stories, you associate with them, you empathize with them, and you learn something. And so what you're doing 
to me is not that much different other than maybe you don't dive into the deep, dark grossness that we kind of live in, <laughs> but it doesn't mean that it's shallow. What you're doing is great. Thank you. Yeah, I'm not as funny as you guys, but... <laughs> but you have great taste in humor. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. That's true. You know, I, I'm working with two actors, and one's a comedian, so of course there was going to be and comedy. And that's Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> Tyler has a hammer and a watermelon right now, and I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> I want to talk about one of the things that you wanted to talk about for social media stuff. So let's talk about mushrooms. <laughs> yes. And Joe, this is this. I mean, this is your topic. Yeah. Where should we start? <laughs> Here was actually one of the parts that, you know, I guess at the moment I didn't think was all that controversial, but a few people spoke about it. We were doing the addiction episode talking about drugs and alcohol with a recovering user and addict. And uh, Joe pretty much put it out there that she thinks weed is great, which I think most people don't care about weed anymore. But she even said, and I think psychedelics are very good for you. Not only do I think they're good for you, but I think they're important for you. It's almost like a rite of passage. <laughs> now, if you have like schizophrenia or some kind of like psychosomatic situation, I don't think you should be, you know, and your doctor says, don't, don't do psychedelics. I'm not saying don't listen to them. Right. But uh, just like our podcast, the effort to open our minds to the possibilities of other opinions being valid, um, I think that psychedelics can do that with, you know, what is reality. Do you remember that um, website Stumble Upon? Tyler, how did it work? Did you like log into it? Or you could just go on the site and then you hit a number, you just hit a button that says Stumble Upon and it takes you to a random website. Sometimes you can list like, your interests and it's like Spotify's Discover Weekly but for a website. Okay. And it just takes you to places that you wouldn't expect. And you find some really wonderful things. And the hell with that drugs does <laughs> And I think that psychedelics can do that. And I every time I've had a psychedelic experience, I've had an emotional epiphany. Oh, so that's probably God. why that I, I'm for him. <laughs> also, I was being devil's advocate. Everyone was like, I don't have a problem with alcohol. I'm like, we're getting hammered every week talking about <laughs> shit. <laughs> I mean, it's like I, I just had some bad episodes with him, man. And I just I'm like scared to shit. Not knocking them for those who want to do them. God bless you and have at it, man. But I have had my day with uh I'm like with- Lewis and Clark, but with my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to explore. <laughs> now, that's my take, man. I'm just, it scares the shit out of me. I had three very scary ass episodes with some hallucinogenics, man, and I ain't going back. I ain't going back. Man. So, the thing is, LeJohn, what were the environments that you were in? Because I do believe that environment is so important yeah, when you're tripping. Setting, like, setting. You have to make sure that you're feeling safe and comfortable. Okay. You want to know? <laughs> the first one was a hockey game. That's a bad, that was a bad choice. That's on yeah, you. Yeah, that sounds terrible. That's a bad idea. <laughs> All right, first one was a hockey game. The second one was actually um my, my front porch, my house, basically. The third one was a bowling alley. You just stayed on your front porch for like eight hours? <laughs> Why a bowling alley? Yeah, first off. He was tripping bowling balls. <laughs> It was worth it for that pun how many years later, but it was. That's an investment. Sorry, I was drinking water. <laughs> <laughs> Matt just drove three hours to come and say that comment. <laughs> I was like, LeJohn, talk about bowling, and I'll say you were tripping bowling right, balls. Right, right. He did say that. He was like, I'm not going to prepare you guys for this interview, but- Bring up bowling and drugs. But 
every time somebody talks about a bad trip, they proceed to speak about what a terrible setting that they were in. I loved my settings. Every drug no. reacts to different people in a different way. You too. need to be in a place where you can feel comfortable if you're naked. You know what I mean? He's on his front because porch. Well, <laughs> this will make it better. This will make the understanding better. Each time, I didn't know it was going to happen. You mean somebody dosed you? To an extent. That's another Ooh. issue, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we have to file this with the police. <laughs> Delete this episode. David, what, what, what are your thoughts on all this? I am very in favor of legalizing um, psilocybin mushrooms. Yes, my man. I know psychedelics, there's you know a few different things that fall under that category, such as ayahuasca, DMT. I, I personally try to stick to very natural substances. So for me, that's mushrooms and marijuana, just because there's peer-reviewed studies up and down the board that show how safe and harmless it is. Wouldn't ayahuasca count? I would say it's natural. I, I plan to do it at some point, but personally, I would want to do it with a shaman and actually take like a couple weeks off to dive into the full experience. Yeah, I think you need to respect it. Would you do it with the QAnon shaman who rushed the Capitol? Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> Maybe if it's cheap. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've had friends who who've done it in their friend's basements and had terrible experiences. So I definitely understand why people are scared of them, but ultimately I just feel like there's so much good in them. I mean, whether you want to talk about people's personal lives or the, the science is abundant, it's very clear. It's out there that it can help people with anxiety. It can help people with depression uh, to get very specific. There's been a couple of different trials that confirm that people in late stages of cancer who are trying to basically accept the fact that they're going to die. Mushrooms help them process it. In my personal life, they've had a very positive effect. You know, I've growing up, I had depression and anxiety, and I can say that it's definitely helped me with that. Um, I've had some very beautiful experiences with. So them. wait, let me let me ask because okay, I'm the I'm the ignorant white boy who's like what. <laughs> I have mushrooms on my pizza. <laughs> that would be that'd be a good pizza. It's not like weed or even drinking where it's like a regular like daily basis thing, right? Because you do hallucinate and experience vivid kind of altered reality. How is it used in a therapeutic sense? In a therapeutic sense, that's still kind of being developed because it's still a schedule three. But I know like in some of the studies that they've done, what they'll do is like they'll have a trained therapist sit in on the session where they administer it to the patient they might give them like a music playlist beforehand and they just kind of dive into those deeper questions and it, it kind of dissolves boundaries that weren't there before boundaries that might get in the way of them truly addressing what they need to hmm. yeah i think your synapses are firing more fervently and you're able to make these connections that you wouldn't necessarily be able to make so it's almost like hypnotism, but... I mean, I, I've never been hypnotized, so I, I, I can't speak to that. But I would say that it's I'm having an epiphany constantly. What would be the healthy amount to take? Like, is it once a week? Yeah, once a week, because I have done it two days in a row, and that's a terrible idea. It is definitely something you have to spread out. You get like a half-life. One day I wake up and have a fucking podcast I got to keep editing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you have, it. Uh, you build up a tolerance. Like you need twice as much to, well, I, that might be with acid only, I, but I'm sure with shrooms you also build up a tolerance. 
you need it also at least eight hours. So <laughs> you need to have a lot of free time. Yeah, definitely. Oh, it's an eight-hour trip? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, acid was 12. DMT I've done before, and that was like 15 minutes. But that is something like, you talk about going to church. (laughs) It's like you go to the pearly gates, you talk to God, you come back, and then you're shaking. Wait, you went to church on acid? She saw God, but she didn't go to church. Well, no, it was so, it was like, it was a 10, 15-minute trip, but it was so intense that afterwards, yeah, you needed... You need a time and you need to respect it. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't go into it. I'm not a fucking bowling alley eating a <laughs> goddamn dirty hot dog. <laughs> Talking to James Lipton about what I would say at the Pearly Gates. I was eating that hot dog for a half hour. <laughs> the same hot dog. <laughs> yeah. There would be a lot of stuff going on with that hot dog. Um, <laughs> so, David, what are your final thoughts on that topic? What have we not covered? Because I want to get into the other one, too. So just to wrap up, I guess specifically what uh, mushrooms are good for in the scientific sense is that they really help regulate your amygdala, which is responsible for the emotional control of your brain. So they really help you get your emotions under control. You know, they help with anxiety, depression, and there's a lot of research out there that supports it. So and I've I've had good experiences. My friends have. So I just can't really recommend it enough. But also be careful. Set and setting are very important. So I think it's also important to be prepared to give up control, which I think is an important exercise that hallucinogens present to you. Because if you are a control freak, you are going to have a problem because you you cannot control what's going on. All you can control is your set and setting. (laughs) (laughs) And also like, I'm on a trip, Joe, it's fine. And you have to be able to deal with a tiny bit of anxiety because sometimes, you know, it kind of comes in waves and you got to be able to, to just roll with it and realize that everything's okay. That's true. I definitely get anxious. It's like a tough mutter in dealing with them, but in a good way. One of the topics that we have tackled a few times in previous and upcoming episodes is religion and how Christianity has become something very different and I would say mainstream, especially the more rigorous Christians, the more staunch or like very against anything that's outside of a certain viewpoint. But little do they realize how much of it is based on other religions and actually some of the stuff that they practice isn't even really Christianity. You were talking about you're very interested in kind of how paganism has has the roots of a lot of our uh, American Christianity. Yeah, it's, it's definitely something that I've um, picked up into more recently. I've always kind of had like a weird relationship with Christianity and religion in general. Uh, my parents are very um, Christian, but I would say they use it in a good way. They're very loving, very accepting people. But I've also met a lot of people growing up that weren't like that. And I saw it bring out some some of some bad traits in people, like not being open minded and things like that. So when it, when I got to middle and high school, I kind of rebelled a little bit. Um, I don't know if I would consider myself atheist, but I kind of went back and forth. And then, you know, recently I actually listened to a podcast on Joe Rogan. And the, the guest was named Brian Murrah Rescue. And I'm almost done reading his book, but it basically details his research showing how a lot of Christian concepts that we know about today uh, trace their roots to paganism. Like just one big example right off the bat is 
the concept of communion or a Eucharist, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that it actually traces back to a psychedelic Eucharist that was used by the Greeks. And, you know, Jesus has a lot of similarities that trace back to Dionysus. And I always tried to approach these topics in kind of a neutral way because, you know, like I said, I have a weird relationship with religion. I always try to remain open-minded and, you know, even though I don't always necessarily agree with what you might say Christians, I try to understand their perspective and appreciate it because even though I think some things are a little weird, I do, like I said, appreciate that some of them use it to genuinely help others and to love others. And that's that's what like the core of religion should be. It shouldn't be a stance of whose is better, whose is right, because especially Christianity comes from the Abrahamic faiths. There's so much hate for Muslims from parts of the Christian church. I mean, you couldn't be more similar other than, you know, I guess if Muslims said Christ is uh, the Messiah. Like you, I was kind of raised around it, and and uh, I, I never became atheist. I, I think more agnostic, and I'm kind of at a point where, you know, I believe what I need to believe out of the Bible, but I also understand 100% that it does not even have a fraction of the answers. People pervert it and distort it and use it for wrong. And that's not what it's about. I remember watching the History Channel documentary on paganism and Christmas, like the entire Yuletide and everything is straight out of paganism. Right. <laughs> Between the Yule log and uh, the actual Christmas tree, that's all out of the pagan book. People seem to forget history or discount it when you do talk about religion. And I understand why it's so important and how it can feel so wrong and blasphemous. But it's like, no, let's talk about real things. Like, this actually happened. Is it possible? And I think the reason there's so much pushback is they think that that means everything they believe is a lie. It's like everyone in a class, in a middle school class, is being like, I know all the answers to this test. And, and you're like, there is no test. You're on mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. A big part of religion is also an answer to everyone's anxiety. Like, why the fuck are we here? What's next? Mm -hmm. What's going to happen when I'm dead? Yeah. Uh, fuck. Yeah. So if you mess with somebody's answers and if that's what they're clinging to, then it's really going to rock their world in a bad way to tell them everything that they think. It's like telling somebody with dementia or Alzheimer's like, oh, no, everything actually worth clinging to, that's gone. That was 30 years ago. <laughs> and also, don't forget about the concept that we were all taught that we have to believe in something. We have to have something to believe and we have to have something that we just put our faith into. And that's the cultural, I would feel. I feel like it has a psychology element to it, too. I, I took a couple of psychology classes in college, so I kind of bring up psychology a lot. But I think people want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And, you know, people do that in different ways. You know, some people, they like volunteering some people just put in extra hours at the office, but you know, some for some people, religion helps out, and I definitely see it. Religion is fucked up, and it's what makes people do some really fucked up shit. Faith is a totally different thing because faith says, "Here is what I feel in my heart of hearts, and that's what gets me through." And when somebody goes, "Well, actually, Christianity," it's like, "That's cool. You know, I'm a Christian, but first and foremost, I have my faith." It's buying into the institutionalized faith. At that point, it stops becoming faith. It becomes a cult. He said the sand. No, wait, sit. No, wait, kneel. <laughs> yeah, and I don't care if you're in a cult as long as you're not trying to hurt other people for not being in your cult. 
Yeah, like I belong to Costco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I seen the rolls of toilet paper like that. <laughs> Joe's like, "Do you need a piece of paper that is the size of your house?" I'm like, "Yeah, I gotta wipe everyone's ass. <laughs> it's part of my religion." <laughs> yeah, there's no pay, but there's copy, credit, and I'll wipe your ass. Exactly. We are the Orthodox ass wipers of Northeast Ohio. <laughs> right. We're doing, we're saving the world one ass at a time. Now bend your ass over. <laughs> We should get a bidet. I think that should be the next step. I really want to use one of those. Yeah, but if you ever used one, you're like bidets are the you best. You get it. <laughs> I've actually never used one, but oh, just, you're missing out. Every time out. someone brings up toilet paper, I always think like, oh, I should just get one. A bidet isn't necessarily going to get rid of toilet paper. It's like you wash your hands, but you still have a towel there. Like, trust me, it, a bidet isn't everything. Okay. <laughs> Speaking about wet hands, though, I don't know what it is, but like every time I'm like in the bathroom, I wash my hands, I have to like hurry up and go quick. So I dry my hands like 70% of the way and I'm like, oh, I'll air dry it. And then I meet somebody and I have to shake their fucking hands every <laughs> single time. Tell them it's a glandular thing. I should just something. be like, I just use a bidet. <laughs> <laughs> The influence of paganism on Christianity. I just find it really interesting, you know, um, that they draw a lot of concepts. Again, I think in some ways it's ironic because there's evidence for, as I had mentioned earlier, that communion was based on a psychedelic sacrament. And I feel like if that's the case, I just find it very funny how a lot of people who label themselves Christians nowadays are so opposed to drugs. And then also the fact that the early church was it's often centered around women. And that kind of got stamped out because a lot of the Greek authorities and I believe that the Vatican had basically made it so that leadership can only be by males. And I feel like I guess my final thoughts will be that I wish that there was a way that we could get Christianity to embrace its true roots, because I think. When you really look at it, obviously Jesus was an amazing guy, nice guy. We should follow his lead. He had a good mama. But I feel like nowadays that message has become distorted. No, I mean, you're absolutely right. And we definitely tackle that on the show. There's another upcoming episode. So we we already have 22 episodes in the can, but we've only released 10. So we record a lot of stuff ahead of time. That's what he says every time he goes to the bathroom. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then I reach for my giant mega-sized roll of toilet paper. (laughs) (laughs) David, thank you so much for being a very patient person and being on our show today. And for those of you interested, you can check him out at illuminatingmyceliumpodcast.com for links, news, and more. So what did you think about this episode, huh? Ah, yeah. Look, let us know by leaving a review, sharing your thoughts, and subscribing. And then tell one of your friends, or like all of them. We just went there. Now you can go to thegoingtherepodcast.com for links to our socials and all the places you can hear the podcast. On the next episode... Writer and presenter Luis Blaine. My background is in video game journalism. I was a staff writer on official PlayStation magazine, and I'm old enough to have written the demo disc page. I do a bit of work for the BBC. I present a Radio 3 show, and I talk about video game soundtracks. But I've also got my own two podcasts, a podcast called Pod World, where we talk 
about different podcasts of different genres, which you have guested on, Matt. And I also have my own true crime podcast called Kilt, which is about true crime podcasts, kind of meta. You know, what's funny is I was influenced by two very different shows. On one side, your neighbors in the UK of my dad wrote a porno. But then on the other side of the spectrum, Ronan Farrow's Catch and Kill of the Harvey Weinstein thing. It's that journalistic approach where then you bring in the human element. Since I started being on podcasts and since I started even a small following on Twitter, you suddenly feel like you need to be talking about topics and make sure that your point is known. I might lose some followers, but, you know, I think people want an awareness and anyone that is silent. I don't think it's cowardice, but I think it's important if you do have certain beliefs to talk about them. This podcast is made possible by its hosts and Frame One Media in association with Lindsay Baker, Tyler Kubisti, Michael Madgar, Joe Cali, and Bobby Thomas. Thank you.